0: If you have an idea for a startup, just do it, just do it. I mean, it's great industry to be in, there is so much support, there's loads of resources out there.
1: Welcome to Lawagon Live. This week we have Daisy Stapley-Bunton coming to speak to us, who's editor and founder of Startups Magazine. Daisy is a keen entrepreneur, founding fast-growing Startups magazine after attending an IoT conference and realizing there's a huge knowledge gap that needed filling. The magazine champions tech startups, the entrepreneurial heroes disrupting industries, and the creators challenging norms and breaking boundaries. In both print and online, the Startups Magazine team works hard to deliver unique content to startups, providing valuable insights from industry experts, advice on business fundamentals, and most importantly, a platform to introduce tech startups to the world stage. Keep listening to hear rare advice from the helm.
0: So I started, um, I graduated from UEA in Norwich and I studied English Lit. And my first position was with electronic specifier. There are B2B publishers and they specify in titles for electronics engineers. So looking at like board level tech, uh, connectivity, IoT products. And one day I went to an IoT showcase and I was there to write about the tech and, you know, what modules they'd used. And uh, I'm not an engineer, just put that out now. <laughs> and uh, I was just really inspired by all of the startups there, showcasing their tech. And, yeah, I was really interested because they were so passionate and a lot of them only had prototypes there. And so, you know, they were just telling me about what they'd used, how they even got to this point, how they bootstrapped to get there. And I just thought, what an amazing group of people. And they seemed to know each other and, you know, they all had questions like, I don't know how to get fundraising, I don't know how to make my first hire, how do I even really set up a company? And, you know, I had some contacts who would ha- be happy to write you know answer those questions so I just kind of put two and two together and I put together the first issue of the magazine probably about the first 30 pages because I did the content and then I did a business pitch to the two directors at the publishing house and here we are so
2: um so I guess you've covered what led you to come up with the idea oh Um, (laughs) that's cool um but you actually finished on the correct point how did you pitch it
0: So um, I'm quite lucky in that where I work, um, it's run by two amazing directors. They're really great, open-minded people. Um, when, I, when I put the first 30 pages together, I knew immediately that they'd, the first thing they'd be thinking is, how much is this going to cost me? And how much of my time are you going to take up, Daisy? So I put together this pitch and said, you know, outlay of the print costs, and what I thought we could achieve in our first and second year, when they could make their money back, who my audience was, my proof of concept, the community I'd already built up, and where I would be sourcing my content from.
2: Um, cool. Uh, so if we move on a little bit to the actual day-to-day. What is your role there like and what are you doing day-to-day?
0: Yeah, so my role is founder and editor of the magazine. I'm the only full-time person there. Um, I tend to wear a thousand hats. So in the morning, um, I'll be sent probably like 200 press releases a day and um, we like all of our content to be unique so either me or we've got an editorial team who I'll ask to write articles for us um, they split their time across the magazines we've got um, contributors we've got a huge network of contributing uh, professionals from all different verticals of the industry um, who'll send us articles so I'll uh, choose which articles I want to upload, I'll work out what our editorial calendar is for the print magazine, I'll lay out the print magazine, I'll work on what our marketing and branding strategy is with um, our social media assistant, our marketing manager, um, in terms of, you know, what events we have coming up because we have an event with every issue. So we'll do the logistics for that, the planning for that, get the speakers in, uh, promote the event, um, put the print magazine together, work on the distribution, manage to subscribe, but yeah, I could go on. There's a lot.
2: <laughs> so... What do you offer in terms of content topics specifically?
0: Sure. So we focus on featuring tech startup companies. So my thinking was that you know you hear about the tech unicorns, the ones that have raised millions, that are doing really well, like you know, the Ubers of the world, but you don't really hear about the ones that are bootstrapping. And when you consider that 90% of startups fail, that's a lot of stories that are going on told. So we like to get in on the ground level and speak with those startups before they really make it to see how they're going, what the biggest hurdles they are that they're facing, You know, not are they trying to cover up a CEO scandal, but what are the, how are they raising investment to even you know, make that next hire or that first hire? Or you know what are their product design issues? How are they implementing like the user experience into their interface? And we really want to get down into those early stage issues. So we cover um, featuring startups like that in our magazines so sharing their stories and giving them a platform so that they can reach, you know, the desks of investors and um, other service providers that can help them, such as mentors and things like that. Um, other content we provide, um, we get guides and resources from and like IP lawyers, uh, things uh, from HR professionals, you know, how to hire and fire, how to in- incentivize your team. Um, there's sort of, you know, the mundane sort of process of setting up your business as well so like pretty much the whole cycle of setting up a business running it as well as featuring uh, articles on like tech trends as well
2: is there a difference uh between what you print and what's online
0: yes this has been a really tricky thing to navigate because obviously um well a lot of people are saying that print is dying why have you got a magazine <laughs> good question um it's actually a Kind of a retro product now. People are so used to just you know having this, being overwhelmed by web content and a thousand newsletters a day, and it, it gets boring. You don't have time to read it. You're all you're already spending in the UK over ten and a half hours looking at a screen. So we decided to have a print product because it's something physical that you know a lot of these people that are featured in it. It's the first time that they've been featured in anything but like this early. So this is something they go hey, look, Nan, I'm in a magazine, let's frame it. I've had people make art montages and collages out out of the magazine. So it's really nice to see it. It means that um, it can be shared. So it's designed so that we've got guides in there and resources that you can return to. So, you know, it can be shared around an office. It also enables us access to our audience. So rather than just competing with loads of other websites, we can actually, we send our magazines out to pretty much every we WeWork. Uh, we go to accelerators like every single NatWest accelerator across the UK so that we're going in and presenting ourselves, not just being another email and a sea of emails. So,
2: How often does it get distributed and to whom? I guess you've
0: responded yeah. to them. Um Yeah, I realized you didn't actually answer your last question as well, sorry. <laughs> the, the difference between the content, um, I got carried away, so excited. Uh, the difference between the content is the magazine will, sort of follow a theme. So last year we had one theme per issue so it would be the health tech issue or the femtech issue. Whereas this year we decided um you know we listened to everyone's feedback and they were saying you know we love it but you know you did a whole issue on funding but I don't want to wake another whole year to read about that again. So this time we've divided it out by, um, you'll look at two different verticals. So five startups from each vertical, we'll interview them. We'll then have a news section, uh, an event section, and then also just a business section, which we'll look at, um you know, for example, our January, Feb, she was looking all at marketing and branding. And we also try and like put in statistics there about funding as well. But this is sort of the content that we're thinking, what is evergreen content that people will want to constantly revisit, like all the funding stuff, which is what we're then building onto the website. The website stuff we tend to put more topical pieces on there, like opinion pieces and features, and we save like the the real interviews for the magazine, and it's uh, bi-monthly.
2: So you cover various topics, like you've just explained. Um, and what's the most exciting for you in each of these domains?
0: I mean, I ha- I can't have any favorites, but um, I think there's there are so m- I meet so many amazing tech entrepreneurs. Um, it, it's really difficult. That's a really tricky question. Um, I think the ones that I've been most moved by, are the ones that are doing something like for social enterprise, the so ones that are doing like the tech for good. So people that are, it's not just based on, oh my app ha- has is gonna raise X amount of users and we're gonna make this much revenue. Like, I'm not against capitalis- capitalism, go for it. That's your business idea, that's amazing. But the ones that have really inspired me are the ones that are trying to do something to actually help someone on on an emotional level so there are quite a few femtech products out there that are helping people with their fertility um there are products out there uh helping within edtech that are helping children learn how to code i interviewed a startup called robotical a really cool company. Um, they've dev- uh, designed this robot for kids, Skilenco, called Marty, which I'm like wish that I'd had when I was younger because I don't have a clue. <laughs> um, but really exciting stuff to like encourage um, you know more girls into STEM subjects as well. Because working as a woman in the tech sector, um, you get asked about it a lot, and it it can get annoying. But then it's something that needs to be spoken about because otherwise there won't be enough awareness about it. But when I started in the industry, I would go to uh, trade shows I don't know if anyone's heard of electronica yeah um it's probably like in the one percent of women in, at that show and so many times people thought that I was a promotion a promotional model on the stand just like looking for a le- like me to hand a leaflet out so I get that quite a lot and it's it's really disheartening but at the same time it just fires me up to just want to encourage more women into the sector um which I think is great that there's so many ed tech uh, products focusing on drawing more young women into the industry and part of what we want to do at the magazine we've got two main core uh, core sort of philosophies the first is to uh, champion female founders and to raise awareness of diversity in, in tech startups and the second is to create a sort of support network and a safe space for people to talk about mental health for entrepreneurs because it's something that kind of isn't spoken about, but it's just accepted and almost worn as a badge of honor if you're that stressed out. And, you know, as an entrepreneur and running a startup, it is all-consuming, especially if you're a a sole founder, even as a co-founder, because you will be every single person in that team until you grow. And, you know, you're probably bootstrapping, you're personally invested, um, and it's stressful. So it's something that we wanted to talk about more and provide resources for as well.
2: A lot of the points about what you really enjoyed seeing in all these companies segues quite well into the next question, which is, what do you think needs to happen to create true diversity in entrepreneurship and tech?
0: So, I think there are, I mean, a lot, a lot needs to happen. Um, I think it can happen at different stages. So, the first point that it has to happen is in STEM. We have to start encouraging more people of various, you know, uh, genders, faiths, um, just just everyone it shouldn't just be a boys game which it it traditionally has been uh, girls have been pushed into sort of more caring sectors and compared to, to men so it's something that needs to change just and it is changing i definitely think it is changing um so it needs to start at a stem level after that it needs to be there needs to be more role models so that you can actually see well if i'm going to do this subject you know what could i actually do where could i take this um i think it also ha- needs to happen around the culture and i think startups are quite good at that because what's exciting is that in a startup company you can decide what you want your culture to be like you don't have to copy the like 80s status quo of like wearing a suit at a desk that you're sat at for nine hours a day who wears a suit at a desk that long it's so uncomfortable um wearing a tie like if you're on a business meeting fair enough but um i'm not saying like go as far as having a ping pong table in the office that's just ridiculously cliche but i'm saying you can change what your what your culture is like you can have you know more motivation you can change what your leadership style is like i think so many people think to be successful they have to model huge corporations but they forget that they're not a huge corporation they're like three people in an office um so i think it's exciting that a lot of startups that i've like gone gone into their offices and seen how they're working and they're they're really cool what they're doing and they've really laid back They you know they want to throw ideas around a lot more it's a lot more open in that way a bit more democratic so i think the culture needs to change because i think traditionally when when I was younger, I probably thought of um, you know, going to the tech business as just like a whole lot of guys wearing hoodies sat in the dark at computers. So I think the awareness of what it can be like to work in, as a space to work in should be a bit more publicized and, and shown and promoted as actually a really cool space to be in. So.
2: Um, can you tell us about your podcast?
0: I can we're launching a podcast (laughs) thanks for the little plug um yeah um we're still in conversation about exactly what it's going to be titled I've got a few ideas um it will probably be something ridiculously punny because that's my style um we're looking to kind of change it up because a lot of podcasts at the moment I mean they're great it's a booming sector if you're going to start a podcast do it right now like right now um jump on it before it goes because you're going to just be there are so many coming there's going to be an avalanche um you listen to a podcast and it's the same setup. up It's either you know a couple of people talking or it's a uh, one podcast you're talking to the, the listener or it's, you know, whatever it is, it's repeated. If it's half an hour, it tends to be half an hour every single episode, the same format, the intro that goes on forever, then the main part of the conversation and then the outro. It's just, and it, it's boring. Like the first... F- couple are great but then you get used to it and it gets monotonous and you get bored so my idea was that let's change it up and let's have different episode types of different lengths uh, which are specifically created for you to listen to at different times of day so rather than having well we did a half an hour episode because that's kind of what the statistics and research said would be the best amount of time which is what everyone is doing why not do a five minute one and a 30 minute one And an hour-long one, like, change it and change what type of content is over that. So we'll be having startup stories, which will be interviews with founders um, with, like, game show elements. Like, I'm talking buzzers and, like, pulling embarrassing facts out of a hat, that sort of stuff. And then we'll also have things which are, like, topical roundtables. We'll get people in the industry to talk and be really candid, um, especially around investment. It seems to be this really cloak-and-dagger, mysterious thing of, you know, if you want to get investment, how do you even break into it? And if you can, then you're at the mercy of the investor the entire time. And I've got so many horror stories of especially women who don't get funded as much and there aren't as many female investors who um, have been really at the mercy of investors who, you know, it's a real, it's a strange power relationship because this person could make all of your dreams come true, potentially. But it's working out what you need that relationship to be in. at what cost, you're, how much equity you're willing to give up, how much control of your company. Um, are you willing to give a daily report on the phone to them and be held accountable to every last penny? So kind of lifting some of the mystery off of that, I uh, would like to do. And then, know um, yeah, just a couple of games and maybe top 10 facts and just some pretty episodes of me just rambling on and on a bit like this.
2: <laughs> what are the biggest challenges for journalists right now?
0: Um... I mean, obviously, fake news springs to mind um, how, how you can actually verify the quality of your content because anyone can write an article and post it online, um, which is great, but it's you know making sure that your news source is actually is quality content, which is why we don't just post press releases verbatim because we could have loads of content going out all the time, especially when it's a, such a small team, but where's the quality? Because that article has been posted several other times around the web with just changing the headline out and people get bored and they see what it's all about so um, I'd say it's having the time to write quality unique content all the time which you need has, has, has to have a great amount of SEO consideration around it as well uh, which is a skill in itself so yeah, writing quality content having the time to do it and having the time to attend these events and talk to people and write them all up when you've got so many much bigger media companies with much more resources being able to do that especially is sort of a young indie publisher it, it's difficult
2: what's the best piece of advice for startups to gain press coverage
0: talk to me send me an email um, i get asked this a lot and i mean i think that you know if i hadn't been in this industry it would have been my question as well but find out who is the editor or who is um you know a contributing et- editor see if you can get their email address and just send them a nice note but just be aware that if you send them three emails chasing it they're just going to block you like that is it. because like i said i just get sent so many press releases and i wish i could write about everyone um so yeah i would just get to know them look up you know if you can get a hold of their editorial calendar and see that they're focusing on one sector in three months time write to them before that and go oh i see that you're doing this in this issue um i'm a great startup and would really fit here here's a synopsis of what my my company is all about what we're doing and this is why you should write about us and Nine times if it was me, I would I'd just publish you. I go, right, great, you're scheduled, I'll reach out to you then. Um but that's my experience. I haven't worked in a larger publishing house which might have, you know, different processes and might not even get back to you at all. Um, I'm much more likely to reply to an individual than a PR company, which sounds a bit mean, but I think they're a bit more used to the just being ignored. Um and they send stuff over and over and over again. Um the other thing I'd say is have a PR folder ready. So When they do say, yeah, we'll write about you and then say, can I have a headshot? You don't go, um, let me just go and take a selfie quick because we won't publish it. It won't be, we'll just put your article up without your headshot and that'd be such a shame. So make sure that you've got a PR folder that's got a really good high res headshot of you. um, Really good high res lifestyle shots of the product being used, close ups, um, a landscape uh, photo of you as well is really handy. There's a really good book uh, for this called Hype Yourself by Lucy Lucy Werner who manages a PR company called The Wern. She's hilarious and she's, she's just absolutely amazing. Follow her on Instagram. She does loads of cool PR tips and her book's just absolute gold dust. So if you want sort of inspiration on how you can sort of market yourself, that's definitely one to get.
2: Um, what events have you got coming up?
0: So we've got our next event is end of January, January the 30th. Um, I, there might be a couple of spaces available still, if, still if anyone's interested. It's £10 a ticket. Um, we didn't used to charge for events, but then we had such a high drop-off rate. We've kind of done it just so people have a bit a bit of skin in the game, so they actually turn up. Um, because otherwise, people that were on the waiting list don't get in. So we're doing, uh, it's a it's a brand workshop. So we've got three uh, professionals coming in. We've got someone from Sifted uh, to talk about... Uh, PR and to talk about working with journalists. We've got someone from uh, Mac and Moore to talk about marketing and to do uh, to sort of talk about your digital marketing channels, how to do customer personas, how to understand who your audience is, um, who you want them to be and who they actually are at the moment, if you have one. Um, we'll be talking about the importance of community. We'll also have Buzzbar, where we're hosting it in Shoreditch. Um, really cool one-stop shop for marketing, pay by the hour, rather than sign up for a marketing agency for astronomical fees. Um, they'll be hosting and uh, talking with everyone about you know your branding kit what needs to be in there what you should be thinking about um, in terms of relaying it to your audience but also don't spend forever creating a logo and perfecting it spending a lot of money just just get one out there and just start going um I think that's definitely something that I've learned as well I'm, I'm a I'm a perfectionist and it's really annoying because it just holds you back from doing stuff that you you never want to release anything until it's perfect but you just if you wait forever then you you'll lose out, someone else will do it, so you just have to put it out there. Um, So yeah, it'll be a cool workshop. We've decided, um, we did a lot of events last year, which were more like, um, they were interviews, they were talks, and they were really great, really well attended, but people wanted a bit more. So we had to think like, what could we offer? Cause we were doing this quite regularly. So we decided that we would do a workshop. So we're giving everyone a workbook. So they'll actually be like writing notes down. We'll be asking, you know, think about who your customer persona is. Like, where do they go shopping? Um, you know, why would they buy your product? Who are your main competitors? And just sort of getting people to think about it and write it down with them. So when they leave, they've actually, it doesn't just go in one ear and out the other.
2: Cool. And do you have any advice for our cohort?
0: Yeah, I mean, if you have an idea for a startup, just do it. Just do it. I mean, it's, it's a great industry to be in. There is so much support. There's lo- loads of resources out there. Startups Magazine, uh, which is free. Um, and uh, it's such a great industry to be in. Like, I can honestly say that um, from moving from uh, the B2B industry of electronics engineering, where I was speaking with just manufacturers and uh, distributors, which was quite cold, and then moving into the startup world, nicest people you could ever meet. It's, it's just wonderful and everyone wants to help everyone else and um it's just really fun like you're, you're your own boss at the end of the day and what could be better than that um in terms of plans for growth um six issues this year the plan is to m- maybe go to 12 that's what the publisher tells me um but for me I think it's more about having that quality content and if it's not released as often then that means you've got more time to work on it and really plan what you're doing so I think what we really want to do is expand on our website offering we're launching our podcast we've also got a uh, a live tv show monthly live tv show coming up which should be really fun and really scary um which will be sort of like a, a talk show I'm thinking like James Corden late late show maybe some carpool karaoke um definitely not going to happen um so we'll see what happens but yeah the live tv show we're also wanting to expand our video content so we were at um ces in las vegas the other week for work um and uh it was great and um while we were there we were just running around this show so ces is the consumer electronics show and it's like the world's largest technology show for consumers and it is ridiculous so we're in the eureka park there's over 1100 startups there and we're the only media company showing and um, it's actually quite a funny story if we've got time for it, yeah. So um, we I don't know if you've heard of Unbound London. Anyone heard of it? Definitely a show to go to. Um, it's an innovation festival and it's held at uh, the uh, Old Truman Brewery. Really, really good show. It's There's like 50 startups there. So if you're a startup as well, you want to try and exhibit at that show. Um, And there's really good talks there. And so in our first year, it was like our second issue, we managed to get a media partnership and to exhibit there. And when I say exhibit, this was like our booth. Like we had a shelf. Um, We just packed it with our magazines and we just hoped for the best. And we had queues of people waiting to talk to us. And it was amazing Um, because it it was the first sort of thing that people had seen in the industry like this. And um, this guy comes over and he's like, so are you going to be exhibiting at CES? And I'm like, probably not he's like, I really think you should. And he gave me his card. It was Gary Shapiro, the CEO of CES. And I was like, um, do you know what? Actually, I think we are going to be exhibiting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, keep my card, get in touch. He then goes on the stage to give his keynote. Uh, and he's like, uh, so I was reading Startups Magazine earlier. And we're just like, <laughs> So So, um, yeah, we um, got in touch with him or his PA who managed to get us into the Eureka Park as the only media company there in the whole park. So... That was pretty cool so it's just like you know making sure that you attend as many events as possible put yourself out there people will collaborate with you you know it doesn't all have to be money changing hands at some point trust me you'll get really annoyed with that though um so yeah definitely learn at what point you need to stop collaborating and giving so much away for free and what point you have to actually go you know this is what it costs and uh, that was a really hard lesson um so yeah that, that was i can't remember the original point but <laughs> fun fact <laughs> In terms of my experience as a founder, it's a bit of a different situation for me. So I work within a publishing company. So I'm lucky in that I have security. I've got job security there. So if it fails, I've still got a job. But, you know, I have that security. If you're a founder and you set this up and you're bootstrapping, that's your money that's going into it, not another company's, Unless you're lucky to have investment and seed investment at the very beginning. So, but on the flip side, um, I don't have the perks of being a founder. So, you know, if you don't want to go in you don't go in. However, your business could potentially suffer for it, but that's down to you. Um, so I'd say that my advice would be really understand when, like, really listen to your mental health. It's so important. Like, you will in a startup. I can just guarantee that you will be overwhelmed because there is so much to do. And because if you're if you're an entrepreneur, you'll be easily inspired and you'll want to do a thousand and one things all at once, and you'll see the potential, and you'll probably get frustrated with the the pace of. The growth, either because of funds or because there's not enough resources, um, so just pace yourselves as much as you can, as much as the the speed of the scale allows. So, what's really helped me is I do something called stretch and smart goals. Um, I, this is probably like an 80s technique. I learned it from a business coach, but it works. So, wherever you want to end up, like say, for example, you want to create the next. Fitbit for hamsters, and you go no. But by the end of five years, I want every hamster in the UK, every owner's hamster owner to have one of these Uh, to be monitoring how many times it goes around the wheel. Us to be the household name for hamsters, and for you know, I want to be giving talks. I want to, I want to be in Forbes. You know, that's that's where I want to be. So you go great. That probably sounds like quite a big dream. So let's work back from that. How do you get to that point? Well, I've just started my company, so probably I need to you know, finish my products and get it onto the market. Then I need to promote the hell out of it. Then I need to, you know, incorporate feedback. Then I need to grow my team. So you can quickly start to actually plan out what those steps need to be in. There will be a lot of them. The more you do it, you realise actually you can work back for a minute and suddenly it is actually achievable. So once you've done that, you've got your really big goal and those steps along that ruler to get there, you then do a 90-day plan. So I have a, I've got a five-year plan. Um, So I have three-year Uh, which is a bit more detailed uh, financially for KPIs and stuff like that. Um, and then over one year, I kind of know exactly what, to, what I want to achieve by the end of it. And then you divide it into a 90 day plan. So every 90 days, and it's really difficult to do this, take the whole day to work on the plan, like just send out of office email or get someone to cover. Say, for example, you want to make a new hire. You plan this out over 90, 90 days and over the weeks you go, right, well, first week I need to write the job ad, second week I need to you know, post the job ad, third week review candidates, fourth week set up interviews. And then all of a sudden, when you look at your week oh I've only got to write a job ad that's not so big but by the end of the 90 days you might have looked to be starting to hire someone the idea is that you just break it down into a manageable chunk but for me that is it just really works for me because otherwise you look at this massive to-do list and you're like where do you even begin how do you get there so in terms of trying to be overwhelmed that's something that I would try and do um I've written a whole article with loads of time management tips and project management tips on this on our on our website, but if you subscribe to our newsletter, which is free, um, it's on a guide at the very bottom under time management tips to be overwhelmed.
2: Um, when you were a s- smaller team, when you were first starting out, at what part in the workflow of getting, like from the beginning to actually publishing something, um, where did you notice the bottlenecking was happening? So kind of the efficiency slowing down and how did you solve that?
0: So if it's handed in late, all of a sudden you can't do that that layout of that page and when you've got 54 pages to lay out um, every other month plus we do an annual 104 page guide as well as another project all of a sudden it starts to get a bit scary because you've got the print deadline on one day and the printer's going are you going to send it over today and you're like yes About 11 o'clock. Does that work tonight? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think if you're relying on other people to get things to you. So what I did to sort of combat that, I noticed that over a a few issues. And I also noticed I was getting ill each time that there was a print deadline because of the stress and knowing, oh, my God, I've got to get this layout done in one week. I was giving myself a week to lay out the magazine for all the design. So I decided to actually set the editorial deadline back and give myself another week, but I didn't tell them that. I think they've figured it out now. But um, you know, give yourself extra time. So if you have a deadline uh, for someone else, just make it a lot shorter. Give yourself as much time as possible. Um, I also found that I was planning each issue right... When the last issue finished, I'd sit down with the editorial team and go, right, what should we focus on for this one? And that quickly became really difficult um, because we just grew so quickly that it was just how we had to work. So um, the end of, you know, sort of around October, November time, I decided I didn't want to work like that this year. So I put together the whole 2020 editorial calendar, a whole media kit, uh, 16 wonderful pages. And um just decided like planned everything out planned where are all of our events were going to be who our event partners were going to be so it was actually as much as I could in those couple of months it was all planned in advance so as much as you can do that try and plan in advance
2: um you said that you get like hundreds of press releases and stuff and I'm sure you meet lots of other people how do you decide on what a story is
0: yeah, it's difficult. If I meet someone in person and they inspire me, and they email me, and I know who they are instantly, I go right. I've added you to that to that issue because I know that that one's focusing on um, fintech, so you're going in there. You're like done. Um, if I'm sent a press release, or um, so we have kind of two avenues. So PR companies will message me and say we've got someone who wants to write a feature for you, or we've got a startup we're representing, or we have a, a section of our website where people can anyone can send a message into us, which means there's a l- a lot of startups, but then there's also a lot of spam. There's a lot of people just trying to sell us stuff, so we kind of have to filter through. The ones that I'm more likely to get back to are the ones that don't leave a message this long, and sort of give it quite short. And I found that when meeting in person, if someone can't explain what their startup is in two sentences, then it's going to be very difficult for me to do it. So, and you find a lot of people haven't practiced their pitch. So if someone's got a really um, a pitch that is exciting and at least explains what they're doing and why it's worth writing about i'm much more likely to write about them so um prs i get sent for startups might i might not even know what this startup does halfway through it's just all the founder journey which is what i want to write about but i need to know what the startup is so having it really clear and probably not really really long so i think that would be the best way forward but if you're looking at a publication that um sort of publishes press releases, that's fine because they can copy and paste that. Um if that's what they want to do. For us being unique, um, we're never gonna publish that press release. So it's not much use to us. It's better for us to have a synopsis about the founder, synopsis about the star sub, and then a line about where you think it would fit into our editorial calendar. Um you keep talking about the editorial
2: calendar and you mentioned earlier on that if you wanted like we're writing an article about your company or something else to like get in, you might wanna see where in the editorial calendar it fit in. But like where would you find editorial calendars for like for you for other magazines
0: that you might want to publish into I would, again, reach out to the editor. So if you, if it's not available on their website, um, if there isn't a link saying download it here or anything like that, just reach out to the editor and say, hi, I love your publication. I would love it if you have an editorial calendar that you can send over to me. I'd love to see what um, you're looking to feature over the year. Um, that would be fantastic. Thanks so much for the great content. Like something like that. If you can, If you can send that over to an editor, if you don't hear back from them, see if there's another editor in the team you can send it to, or better yet, just try and call them someone calls me I'm um, I will just send it straight away um which is a blessing and a curse because PR companies will just call me the minute they send an email so one or the other I reckon
3: um you touched on the mental health pressures of being a founder um and I was just wondering um either from your own experience or from being around other people in the same situations um what hints tips methodologies um you had found to to help kind of counteract that and to get yourself the space you need to thrive
0: yeah so i mean um I'm not a healthcare professional in any way but like you said from my personal experience um I think talking about it which is obviously very difficult and when you consider what our culture is like but that it's great and it's changing so I have personally suffered from burnout and panic attacks anxiety attacks um, which i had never had before in my life and I'd always thought stress is real and it's and it's just been um diagnosed burnout is actually a, a medical condition like it's been diagnosed because it Caused by stress, so I would notice things like if you're sleeping really badly, um, if you're eating badly, making poor decisions. Like compared to how you normally eat, um, I think if when you wake up in the morning and you really don't want to go into work, that's a really big signal. If it's because you know you're no longer um, passionate about what you're doing, or because you just know, God, when I get in, there's just so much to do. Um, so ways that I would try and combat that, and that I've tried to do it, um, is Uh, delegate not my strong point being a perfectionist Uh, delegate as much as you can if you're in a position with some budget you can try and outsource this to freelancers Um, and again just perfection is the enemy of the good so just try and get something that is a working prototype proof of concept you can polish it later Um, it it depends like for some people meditation works uh, for me personally I prefer the gym that's just how I work stress out Um, I would say try and make your mornings as stress-free as possible So uh, no rushing right before you get out of the house and then arriving at work all flustered because that doesn't help anyone. Um, Write a priority list in the morning. Um, I write it down every day and then I write down my list of what do I want to achieve today? What do I need to do today? And then I write another list of what has to be done today, not what would I like to do? And then... I, I highlight them, however you wanna do it, um, based on what is the one that I really don't want to do, the one that's the worst task, and I do that first, and then it's done. I don't always do it first, but it's the best practice to try, um, so yeah, priority lists, uh, try and do something physical, even if you can go out, if you can go outside for a walk, if you need to go and get lunch, and you just decide I'm gonna go for a walk, I'm gonna get up and make everyone a cup of coffee and just get some steps in. Um, and talk to people. So talk to other founders. Go to founder events. There's uh, there's loads of founder groups. As I'm trying to think now, I can uh, think of uh, Karma. Uh, so, so Karma, if you, I think it's called uh, getkarma.com. But Karma, C-A-L-M-E-R. Um, we're actually partnered with them. They're a great resource for helping you with your your stress. I actually went along to one of their events. They're one of our partners. And um, they have things like how to have a really relaxed morning, uh, how to plan for... as to eliminate as much stress as possible. Um, So yeah, any things that you can go to like that, any networks where you can talk to other founders about what you're going through. Because if you say to someone, I'm really stressed out about X, Y, and Z, they might go, oh, I went through that. I did this. So that slightly is a help. All
3: right, thanks. I just wanted to know where we actually get the print version of the magazine. Where can we get it?
0: Well, we'll be sending you guys free copies every issue. So they'll be coming here. If you want to get a print copy just for yourself, um, you can go online and subscribe. We only charge for postage and packaging. It's like one pound twenty an issue. Um, digital copy you get sent free along with that. Um, but we s- send them to workspaces and hubs and stuff like that. So
3: um, thanks for that. So um, this is like a very specific question, but I'm assuming you're ad-funded. Like ad, you get ad revenue from from advertisers. Um, what Kinds of advertisers advertise specifically startups, Um, and and what I guess what what do you think about that sort of like um, the kinds of products that are advertised to startups?
0: So this is one that's been really difficult because it's great, it's easy to well, it's not easy, but creating the product great, selling the product a bit harder. and I knew from the beginning, like, who could advertise in it. I looked at who are, who are, I don't want to say competitors are, but people who are similar in the market. So Courier Magazine, for example, uh, really great magazine. Um, so we're kind of different in that we focus on tech startups and they're more sort of agnostic. Um, but I looked at who's advertising with them. Um, so workspaces, uh, banks, and uh, any services for startups. So whether that's uh, accountancies, uh accountants, law firms, um, even consumer products like coffee machines and people like that. There is so much, because it's a B2B mag, but it's not, because you're all consumers at the end of the day, so it's B2C as well. Um, It's got all of the demographics and information, the numbers, but at the end of the day, we're still new, a new player. Um, And it's also about kicking open those doors to actually reach advertising contacts, which has been really fun. So I know who I want to advertise with the magazine, but it's reaching out to them and actually... It's such a time-consuming process to a lot of places, for example, only have like, an, an, uh, like a digital assistant that you can speak to at first. And then you have to get sent a hello at email address. And then you have to get th- fight through that to finally get through to someone. So the easiest way to reach an av- advertising contact like that is to try and find them in person. What events are they likely to be at? Where are they exhibiting for their events? For example, American Express were exhibiting at an event. And I was like, well, they'd be great because they champion... Uh, like supporting local business. So I went to one of their events where they were exhibiting, got a contact there. Then you connect with them on LinkedIn. And at CES, at that exhibition, I met with Samsung, Microsoft, um, Amazon. So like, just find out where your potential advertisers or clients or, you know, like that are are going to be in person because it's so much easier to connect with someone that way rather than an email, or especially if it's a cold email as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I, I could sort of... um understand where you're coming from like i um produced a festival so like it went in my journey i was wow. also kind of like hunting down people and trying to find sponsorship yeah. And it's like a really like um it makes you a really good stalker um so <laughs> like, i know your email address i know where you live i know your phone <laughs> number i'm just i'm using my powers for good yeah. i'm getting stares. um is you're obviously really busy and as like as the kind of sole full-time person Uh, which is my situation as well like you're always working um, Mm -hmm. and you have no time forget social life and all that stuff Um, but if you're just sort of thinking about yourself um, as a person and what you want to do in the next few years part of that involves growing Um, how do you if you can because you may not because I couldn't find the time to grow because you you obviously get better at what you do Mm -hmm. by doing it yeah but it doesn't help like for example if you wanted to be a, a public speaker on top of what you do you can't just waltz into that you have to practice or find opportunities that requires setting goals and times to do those things how do you what do you find works for you so
0: no really good question um so for me i think there's there's two sides to it the first is accepting what your weaknesses and strengths are so if for example um if your weakness is um from a so if you're a product developer and you're working your product, but your weakness is marketing, like you don't have a clue, um, you don't know how to like design a logo or where to start. There is no point you going on a, a course that will cost you money and time to go and do that. Outsource it to a professional if you can. If you can, I mean, if you can make something on Canva, which is free, that will do the job. Great, but then outsource it. So it's knowing like at what point do I just hand that over? If you're really not good with numbers, get an accountant. It will save you money. Um so just accept what you can and can't do. If you think, well, actually I really enjoy this part of the business and I want to work on this more and eventually get someone else to do stuff that I'm doing, um and work on it then do courses. So I've done like Adobe InDesign intermediate courses, I have Photoshop, Illustrator, um In terms of the public speaking stuff, something I kind of got thrown into. um, I basically just wanted to put the magazine out in front of as many people as possible. And after one person asked me to do something at Unbound, it just kind of kept going, which is great. But I am not a natural public speaker. Um, I've only just managed to stop my hands from shaking. So, it's again, it is practice and just sort of accepting that in this industry, everyone's in the same boat. So everyone's really nice. And like the first time I ever spoke in front of a group of people was at our very first event, our launch party. And it was, there must have been maybe 80 people in the room. And my voice was just going up and down, literally like this. And I just said, I'm really nervous. And everyone just clapped because it's honesty. If you're authentic and you're just yourself, people will respect that a lot more than if you try and do some sort of Steve Jobs-esque speech and like with a big PowerPoint, just be yourself, so... Like, if you, there's a podcast that you think, like, you really want to be on that podcast, it's a really big reach, you listen to it, message them on Instagram and go, I've got an amazing story, I've got hilarious anecdotes for you, you have to hear my story, let's have a phone call, let me take you for coffee. Like, that's another way of getting yourself out there. And, you know, maybe someone will hear that and go, oh, we want to write about you in our, in our magazine.
3: Step one, be funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or try. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think, you know, just make it worth someone's time. So yeah books podcasts there's another podcast called screw it just do it by alex chisnell really cool he used to work for virgin startups he's actually helping us do our podcast his podcast went to number one on apple um so he's producing ours so we're in good hands <laughs> but yeah podcast books i just try if, if it's worth learning more about something um investing the time to do it i know it'd be difficult you might have to do it outside of your
1: work hours but it'll be worth it thanks for listening to the wagon live Tune in next week for another episode. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe by hitting the subscribe button.